Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And then another deception is when people say, well, well sin comes from Hollywood. It's Hollywood, it's media, it's all of that. It's a glorification of murder and war and hatred and adultery and so forth. It's Hollywood that puts all those wrong ideas in the head. We can get rid of sin if we just change Hollywood to produce those good old wholesome films that instill good wholesome values and get back to the films that only have the G rating. But the Bible doesn't agree. The Bible doesn't agree that's where sin comes from. Another deception that people have is that people say, well, sin comes from all those temptations. All those temptations. There are so many temptations today. There's so many temptations to take drugs. Such easy access. So many temptations from the internet easily fall into pornography. Sin comes from all those temptations. It's all those circumstances of life. It's all those pressures in life. That's what what the psychologist told my father. He told my father about me when, they, when, when he took, him, took me to the head of psychology at UCLA, and he said to him, he says, um, what's wrong with my boy? And, and the psychologist says, uh, he says, well, the problem with Tommy, so they called me, the problem with Tommy is L.A., it's Los Angeles. You got to send the boy away. Send him to where there's a lot of fresh air, like Switzerland. And you know, send the boy to Switzerland. They won't have all those temptations that L.A. has. The boy will be good. Well, Tommy found plenty of trouble there in Switzerland. The pristine environment of Switzerland, Tommy found sin in Switzerland. And that's a common misconception that sin comes from temptations. And all we have to do is get rid of temptations, and then we can get rid of sin. But the Bible doesn't agree. Because each one of these wrong explanations takes a view that sin is an external problem. And it comes from the society, it comes from the family, it comes from the, from the environment, it comes from the temptations. And when a, when, a, when a man gives any of these explanations for the origin of sin, that person is acting like the Teflon man. Teflon man where nothing sticks. Nothing sticks. The Teflon man takes responsibility for nothing. And the person who taught us what the Teflon man was was Adam. Adam. Adam went through the Teflon man routine when God wanted Adam to take responsibility for what he did in the first fall, the sin, the fall of man. And he asked Adam in Genesis 3.11, in Genesis 3.11, hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? And the man said, I confess the woman. The woman whom thou gavest me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. That's a good old, that's a good old Teflon man. Nothing sticks to him. It's the woman. That must have been a great evening between Adam and Eve. But the root problem with acting like the Teflon man is to view sin as an external problem. 
It, you know, it was my parents, it was my school, it was my family, it was a society, it was all those temptations. That's the reason for sin. It's all external to me, but God says, no. Sin is not an external problem. Sin is an internal problem. Sin comes right out of the heart, internal. It comes right from the inside of man. It just bubbles up and over. It's just like when a person gets mad, something really upsets him, and he flies off the handle, and he says horrible things, does terrible things, and then he says, I didn't know I had it in me, but you did. And that's the point. It's in us. Sin is in us. And you see what's inside when something really disturbing happens is someone has said, you shake a glass and you'll find out what's inside it. So the reality is that sin is very personal for it. It's a very personal tragedy problem for us, for each one of us. It's our own personal problem. And the heart that sees sin as a personal internal problem takes complete responsibility for sin and cries out like David did after he sinned with Bathsheba in Psalm 51.4, Psalm 51.4, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. See, David made no excuses for what he did. He didn't say, I was under a lot of stress, there were wars, that she left her window open, none of that. David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned. It was me, he said. It was me, me alone that sinned against you. I have no excuses other than I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. And that put David in the, on the road for getting help from God. Or it was like the publican, the publican who stood and confessed his own sinfulness in Luke 18, 13. Luke 18, 13, when he said, says the publican standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. Oh, the shame that he felt. But smote upon his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. When that publican said that, God be merciful to me, a sinner, that put the publican on the road to getting help from God, which he did, as the Lord said, he went home justified because of that honest confession. The Lord said, Clearly where sin comes from. In Matthew 12, 35, Matthew 12, 20, 35, 12, 35. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth evil things. Sin comes from the heart. Now, speaking about the origin of sinful words, the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 15, 18, Matthew 15, 18, those things that come out of the mouth come forth from the heart. They defile the man. Luke 6, 45, Luke 45, 6, 45. The, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Right out of the heart. That's where sin comes from. That's the origin of sin. And if we don't think it is, it's only because of a diseased heart. This is the real heart disease in Jeremiah 17, 9. Jeremiah 17, 9. This is the heart disease of the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's not talking about some people's hearts. It's not talking about, well, that wicked person's heart. It's talking about all people's hearts. All people's hearts are desperately wicked. Not just wicked, desperately wicked. Not just a little deceitful, deceitful above all things. The terrible fact is that sin is in the world, and we contribute to that sinfulness in the world by our own sinfulness. And man knows, we know, man knows that he's guilty before God. So his heart cries out for the removal of sin. 
He cries out for the remission of sin. And all the altars and all the sacrifices and all the observances of Sabbaths and all the, the restrictions of what can be eaten and cannot be eaten and all the systematic prayers, you know what those all are? Those are all cries of, from an aching heart of man to have his sins removed, have them removed. But there's only one method that can remove the sins of man, and it's the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the shedding of the blood of the covenant, the shedding of the blood. That's what Moses was talking about in Exodus 24.8. Exodus 24.8, behold the blood of the covenant. Was behold the blood the only method to remove? Yes, it was. So from where Moses stood on that day, when he sprinkled the people and he said, in Exodus 24.8, behold the blood of the covenant, Moses was really looking forward he was on this. He was a. He, he he was looking forward to the cross. He was looking forward to the day when the Lord Jesus Christ would shed His blood of the covenant. Now, where we stand, we stand. We look backwards on the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Moses looked forward. We look backwards. We look back, and we can respond. We can sit here to respond. We can respond to Moses and say, "Oh, Moses, you stood there on the day." where through the symbol of the animal blood, you look forward to the blood of the covenant. But Moses, we're now standing here. We're from the symbol of the wine. We are looking now backwards on the blood that has been shed. The Lord Jesus Christ, he offered up his his precious blood as a sacrifice for sin. And it's the only way that sins can be removed. Now, God has a condition. He has a condition for a person to have his sins removed. There's a shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only method. It's the only, it's the, it's the only way, but there's only one condition. And that condition for the forgiveness, for the removal of sin, that is simply, is simply to accept, to agree with God and to accept that shedding of blood as removal of sin. The fact that the Lord Jesus Christ has now shed his blood It means that forgiveness of sins, that removal of sins, is now within the reach of every person. Just think of it. The shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has now put forgiveness, has now put removal of sin within the reach of every person. The removal of sin is now within the reach of everyone because all anyone has to do is Acts 16.31. Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You don't have to go find a lamb. You don't have to go with, with all the sacrifices of Leviticus anymore. Now it's just Romans 10.13. Romans 10.13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All you have to do is call, that's all. Call. The reason removal of sin is now within the reach of every person is because when the Lord Jesus died, He died as a sacrifice for all sin, for all people. It says in Hebrews 9.28, Hebrews 9.28, so Christ was offered, once offered, to bear the sins of many. The many in that verse means anyone, everyone. It is nonsense to think that a person would ever hear the words, oh, I'm sorry, but the death of the Lord Jesus was not for your sins. I don't see you on the list, I'm sorry. Uh, it, it was another person's sins, not yours. I'm terribly sorry. There's no such thing as limited atonement. There's no such thing as it. 
Hebrews 2.9 says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Every man. That means that's, that, that's why the removal of sins is now within reach of every man. He tasted death for the benefit of every man to have his sins removed. Romans 8.32, Romans 8.32 says, He spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all. Us all. He delivered him. That's why the, the removal of sins is now within reach of every person. 2 Corinthians 5.15, 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, says that the removal of sin is now within the reach of every person because 2 Corinthians 5.15 says he died for all. He died for all. 1 Timothy 2.5, 1 Timothy 2.5 says there's one God and there's one mediator. There's only one God. There's no Allah God. There's no, there's no Christianity God. There's no Judaism God. There's no Islam God. There's only one God. There is one God and only one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, for all. Removal of sins is now within the reach of every person because he paid the ransom for all, for all. The Lord Jesus spoke about laying down his life as a ransom. In Matthew 20, 28, Matthew 20, 28, he said, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many, for all. When the Lord Jesus spoke of laying down his life, he was emphasizing that was his free will. That was his choice to lay it down. He, that's, all, that's what he was talking about in John ten seventeen. John ten seventeen. he said, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No man taketh it from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down of myself, and I have power to take it again. It's very important for us to see how the Lord Jesus voluntarily gave up his life because it shows he was giving up his life. He wasn't struggling to, to keep his life for himself. But what he was doing, he was doing is, it, it, it was, he was accomplishing 1 John 2.2. 1 John 2.2 says, he is the propitiation. That means the sacrifice that covers. It's like atonement. It's the sacrifice that covers. He is the sacrifice that covers for our sins, and not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Removal of sins is now within the reach of every person. His sacrifice covers not only our sins, but it covers the sins of the whole wide world. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16. For God so loved the whole wide world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Removal of sins is now within the reach of every person because God so loved every single person in the whole wide world that whosoever person in the whole wide world just believes into the Lord Jesus Christ should never, 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 ever perish but should have everlasting life that never, ever, ever ends. And John the Baptist made the great proclamation when he saw the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time in John 129, and he said the next day, John 129, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb of God which removes the sins of the world. 
Removal of sins is now within the reach of every person because the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God and he has now taken away the sins of the whole world and he has put that possibility, that offer, that gift within the reach of every person. But what, so, so what if I, you know, I'm a businessman, so I mean, I'm a salesman, okay? So what if I was to tell you that we have just developed a new product and the new product is so effective at removing stains from your clothes that all you have to do is to apply this to your clothes. It's going to remove every stain in your clothes, instantly remove every stain in your clothes, and when you put it on, it'll instantly remove any stains that might come there in the future. And, and, I, and you know what I'm going to name my product? I'm going to name my product only once. Only once. So... Ladies and gentlemen, step right up here. Get your bottle of my only once stain remover. You just have to apply it only once to your clothes. It's going to remove all your stains. It's going to remove all the future stains. You never have to apply it twice. And that's why I call it the only one stain remover. Now, you'd be amazed if I had a product like that, that only one stain remover. Be an amazing product. Well, there's only one, only once stain remover, and it's the only one sin stain remover of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only one. And that's right, just one shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it removed all the stains in the past and all the stains in the future. That's Hebrews 7.27, Hebrews 7.27, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, but this he did once, only once, once when he offered up himself. Hebrews 9.28, Hebrews 9.28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them to look for him shall he appear the second time without sin. 1 Timothy 3.18, 1 Timothy 3.18. For Christ hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. See, the single blood shedding of the Lord Jesus has now put the removal of sins, all sins, within the reach of every person. You know, I just think of the priests in Moses' day. I mean, what did they do? They would kill one animal sacrifice for sins, and then immediately they'd look for the next one. Where's the next one? It was this continual stream of animals that were killed because those sacrifices were only temporary. And there were, that's why there was a continual stream of the animals being killed. But the Lord Jesus died as a sacrifice for all men, never, never, ever to be repeated again. Repetition is unnecessary. Repetition is impossible because heaven asks for no more than the only one sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ to remove sins. And man needs no more than the only one sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ to remove sin. In Moses' day, they had to provide their own sacrifice. They had to provide. People had to come with their own animals. They had to, they had to go find it, to get it, to observe it, make sure it was without a blemish, then bring it for sacrifice for sin. And that's what the people had to do. They had to provide their own animals to sacrifice for their sins. But with the only once perfect sacrifice, God provided the Lord Jesus Christ. And all the people have to do now is just to humbly accept, and receive God's sacrifice for sin, the only one sacrifice for sin, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
His shed blood, just like the hymn says, his precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. How many times have you heard, how many times have I heard a person, a person trusting in Islam tell me how they're going to get to heaven because they're going to trust in the mercy of God? I've heard that so many times. We're going to trust. What are you going to, how are you going to get to heaven? How, what's going to happen when you die? I'm going to trust in the mercy of God. You know what that's called? That's called a presumptuous trust in the mercy of God. It's without a foundation. It's a trust without a foundation in the mercy of God. It's just presuming that God's going to show mercy at the time of judgment with no basis for assuming that God will show mercy. See, there is no forgiveness. There is no removal of sin from a presumptuous trust in the mercy of God. And how many people say that they're going to get to heaven because they're a good person? They're a relatively good person. No good works can remove sin. How many times have people said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to fly right now. I'm going, to, I'm going to really change. I'm going to reform. I'm going to be good from now on, like a diet. And, but there's no future obedience that can remove sins. There's no amount of turning over new leaves that can remove sins. And it's miserable, it's miserable to live a life of trying to reach God, to have the sins removed by all these means that can't do it. There's no forgiveness, there's no removal of sins apart from the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's meant in Hebrews 9.22. Hebrews 9.22, without shedding of blood is no remission. Without shedding of blood is no removal. So those are really sobering words when it says no remission, no removal except by the shedding of blood of the Lord Jesus. Very similar to when Peter was asked the question, are you going to turn away? And he responded in John 6.68, John 6.68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. We could say, as far as removal of sins goes, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way to remove sins. Where else can we go but to the Lord Jesus who shed his blood? We've seen it's just one way. There's just one way for man's sins to be removed, the blood of the Lord Jesus. So we could say, behold the blood that removes sin. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the blood that removes sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. 
Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. You are invited to the 4th Annual Taste of Creation Benefit Dinner and Silent Auction in support of the Life and Light Foundation on Saturday, July 14th at 6 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. We will highlight the Life and Light Ministries that include the Creation and Earth History Museum, Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism, and the Friendship with God Radio Ministry. Learn how your faithful support impacts the furtherance of the gospel to millions of lost people. All registered guests will take a walk through history and experience amazing foods themed for each exhibit. Everyone will have the opportunity to take home some amazing auction items, and we will hear from Creation Museum President Tom Cantor. The cost of the event is $39 per person and $59 per couple. Register today at tasteofcreation.com. That's tasteofcreation.com. 